Hey, Phoenix LaFay, how are you doing? Peachy Keen, how are you doing? Do you know, the last time we did a show where we were both in the room together, and I'll come back to that in a minute, <laughs> um, you started the show with Groovy. Groovy is also how I often feel. So, Peachy uh, Keen and Groovy. Peachy Keen and Groovy. Yeah. So speaking of the last show... Mm. Um, uh, there was a bit of a... Clusterfuck. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to put too point. Yeah. It was totally point. my bad. So I apologize to not only my co-host, Guion, who had to kind of tap dance for way too long and then finally <laughs> passed out from exhaustion of trying to juggle... Uh, but to folks who are listening, because I felt real bad. And I don't know what happened. I called in, because technically, the type of show we run, listeners, so you know, because I'm sure you're fascinated by this, uh, You can, we can have people call in. So I was at work. I was at the shop, Milk and Honey, and I tried to call in, and I called and called, and I just kept getting a busy signal. So I tried calling from my cell phone instead of the landline at the shop. And then I got in, but Guion couldn't activate me like he couldn't hear my voice i could hear him i was going hello hello but he couldn't hear me so i messed everything up so to all of the people that downloaded a 12 minute <laughs> show of me going yeah phoenix will be here in a minute yeah uh yeah brilliant yeah. um uh, and then all of a sudden whoosh, that was it i give up I yeah it wasn't even mercury retrograde i'm just oh uh, yeah so i'm sorry that was a bummer and then you know oddly enough it was our most popular show so far <laughs> a million downloads <laughs> <laughs> that tells you something. Yeah, it tells you that people like to hear me panic. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't sound panicked. Well, I felt panicked. That's well, you sure. might have felt it. Yeah. But. Well, anyway. Look. On to better and brighter. Get it? Speaking, Get it? Very good. So speaking of brighter, tonight uh, we're going to talk about uh, moon magic. Moons. Moons. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start with full moon magic, I think, because it is actually a full moon. Yeah, it's currently. Well, it was a full moon yesterday, but the way I was trained in witchcraft is that the full moon counts for three days before and three days after. And really, let's be honest, that's just for the conveniencing of scheduling coven meetings to be like, oh, the full moon's on Wednesday, so let's meet Saturday. It still counts. Do you know what's really funny? Well, the moon is always full in space. Oh, that's deep. Yeah, man. That's deep. Yeah, but it's not always full here. Right. So Very true. Because we get science. Because we get in the go. way of it. <laughs> Our big butts. All right. So let's talk about magic. Yeah. And let's talk about moon magic. Yeah. And let's specifically talk about full moon magic. Now, uh, you're um, a big fan of deities, right? Like you have a thing. For... I'm a polytheist. Mm, yeah. Many so, gods. Yeah. So while I don't want to go down that road... <laughs> oh, that's no fun. I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> think of um, different deities. Uh, can you name a few that are often connected to the moon? There's Selene, right? Sure. Yeah, what else? Who else? Well, now I'm feeling pressured to think of some. Uh, all I can think of is Selene. <laughs> uh, uh, Hecate, mm. Diana, mm. Artemis... Uh, the great mother, if you want to go in more archetypical, uh, yeah. you know, that great is, mother energy. There's a Japanese deity. I know I'm thinking of the wrong one. I'm thinking of Amaterasu, but yeah, that's she's sun. the sun. No, yeah. you're a cult liku. I don't know if I'm saying that right. That's a Mesoamerican. Mm. She's the, um, she's, she's not the moon goddess. Her daughter is, but she... Her daughter and her son fight, and her son chops her daughter's head off. And in her grief, she raises her daughter's head into the sky, and, and that is the moon. 
Well, that's another cheerful tale. Well, <laughs> not everything in life is happy. No, that's true. Um, but full moon magic is joyous. Sure. That was a good segue, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah. It's not really. You know, whatever. Full moon magic is not joyous? Well, it can now, be. Look, I've had many a grand experience in Sonoma County, where we live, of dancing naked under a full moon with witches. Well, that sounds fun. That was very joyous. Yeah. Can I tell you a quick story about one of my favorite rituals? All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is many years ago now. Yes. Um, uh, I was teaching uh, a class, uh, and it was out on a piece of land that had this amazing 30-foot yurt. And uh, we were teaching the class inside the yurt and then out and about on the land. And uh, it was a, a what we called a weekend intensive. So we started at, I think, 6 or 7 o'clock on a Friday night, went to about 10. Uh, everybody slept in the year or maybe on a tent on the land. And then the next day we started at 9 o'clock and we went until 9 or 10 o'clock. And then on Sunday we went from 9 o'clock in the morning to like 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was lots of magic, very intense. It was about oh, 15 or 20 of us. Anyway, um, on the Saturday night, after we were done teaching, it was it was happened to be in September. It was a beautifully big full moon. It was a harvest moon, so it was one of those that was very very close and massive and yellow. Mm-hmm. You know those moons, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's uh, usually in the fall. Yeah, well, I said September. It was called the harvest moon. Oh, I, I missed the <laughs> September part. I wonder so, where I was just then. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, paying rapt attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. Uh, so anyway, um, we uh, said, hey, uh, this is not part of the class, uh, but if you want to come on out into this vineyard, the vineyard has a little bit of a rise in it, we might be able to like, do an impromptu ritual out um, you know, with the full moon. And uh, so somebody lit a fire in the fire pit and we spent a little time around it just kind of laughing and joking and chatting and talking about the magic we've been doing the weekend that far. And then, at um, you know, sort of a prescribed time, we sort of wandered out into this vineyard and kind of up onto this hill and we could see the entire valley below us. And sure enough, off in the distance, the moon was beginning to rise. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, a light bulb in the sky, right? It was so big and so bright. Yeah. And we had no ritual planned. Again, this wasn't part of the class. And we just started singing songs. Yeah. Um, most everybody got naked, although that wasn't part of that particular class's format or traditional requirement. It was just one of those... Uh, amazing things. I think myself and one of the other people started reciting the charge of the goddess and, you know, gather once a month and a full moon and be naked in your rights, you know, all of that stuff. So as we were reciting the charge of the goddess, everyone started whipping off their kits. (laughs) And then we ended up uh, underneath this amazing full moon, dancing, singing, raising some energy, like raising a cone of power, all sort of off the cuff, all these witches, um, you know, working together, creating this impromptu ritual. Absolutely fascinating. And then I swear to the gods, at the end of this ritual, the moon is full in the sky. We're all a bit sweaty. We're all a bit spent. We're all like horses that have been ridden a bit too much. And we sort of have this crescendo of song and energy 
and then fireworks started going <laughs> off somewhere down in the valley. I think it was at the local university. They, I think they had a concert going or something at the time. But, you know, we're like, oh, that beautiful, amazing ritual moment when everything was just perfect. There she was, the goddess incarnate in the sky. And then fireworks everywhere. It was like, I planned that. <laughs> it was just brilliant. Nice. There was... It was also, I mean, it was a very uh, frivolous and fun ritual. Yeah. But there were some serious components to it. I remember at one point, I was deep, deep in a in a many years long um, initiation process. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in the last maybe six or eight weeks of this initiation. And I, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to finish it. Mm-hmm. I was really struggling at that point it had been three years or something like that and one of my mentors and dear friends was standing naked in a vineyard under a full moon sure as you do Mm -hmm. and uh, I just kind of collapsed into her arms and she put her arm around me and I said I'm not sure if I can do this and what was amazing was what she said she didn't say you know buck up little witch you'll make it or you know some platitude I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And she said, and you might not. And that was really lovely. Like it sort of took the pressure off. In <laughs> way. And then she said, and then you might. You know, and it was like, oh, like that little bit of, oh, okay, I might not actually finish this. That's that's like a thing to say out loud because yeah. I'd been scared to say it out loud. You yeah. know? And then I did go on and finish the initiation and it, it was life-changing and profound and wonderful. But all of that happened under a full moon. Mm-hmm. And I think about how many rituals you and I have done under full moons or under um, eclipsed moons or mm-hmm. blood moons. Which is or... what happened yesterday. It was not just the full moon, but there's an, an eclipse yeah. as well. Yeah, partial eclipse, right? I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm not going to Some eclipse. Like yeah, yeah I mean... My favorite full moon ritual was many years ago, a couple of decades ago, a friend took a, a, a group of us out... A couple of decades ago? What were yeah. you, four? Twenty. <laughs> uh, a friend took us to a place that is referred to as the ultimate picnic spot. I know this spot well. And we, it's, a, it's a cliff that overlooks one of my favorite beaches up here in Northern California on one side, and then on the other side, it looked overlooks what I refer to because I'm a little bit like Anne of Green Gables. I name things other names than what they are actually called. Which is the whole magical practice we could talk about (laughs) and and actually will, I think, later on tonight with respect to moons. Oh, yes, absolutely. But on the other side of this cliff, on the other side of the ultimate picnic spot is what I call Pirate Cove because it's this perfect arched rock out there you know it's connected to the landmass but it's this just perfect arch and i don't i just imagine pirates and the goonies and things like that when i'm there but we got there in daylight and we walked out onto the beach side of the cliff just to be clear for folks that don't know much about cliffs or the sonoma coast it's a cliff it's an absolute (laughs) sheer cliff it's probably a 500 foot drop yeah Yeah, you're nowhere near the ocean the ocean's way down there there. and if you if in the dark you're not paying attention, you could walk off the edge of the cliff and die. Well, we got there in daylight and we went to the one side of the cliff, the north side actually, and we looked down over the beach and it was lovely and we had a little picnic and hung out and it was very mellow and joyous. And then as the sun was setting, 
the, this was one of those moments where the sun is setting and the moon is rising about the same time. Oh, isn't that magical? You know, because it, it happens at different times in the year. And so we walked around the cliff head and then to the south side of the cliff where the Pirate Cove is. And then we sat there as the moon rose and we played drums and we sang. And it was, like I said, it was very mellow and informal. But it was just that moment of being connected to the cycle of sun and moon and the connect connected to the land. That land is very precious and sacred to me you know uh, and and that was one of those moments that created the depth of the relationship I feel for that piece of land so it, that's one of my favorite full moons since you told one I thought I would you know just on another note just speaking of that particular piece of land mm-hmm. we should do a whole show on uh, like sacred sites that we visited sacred sites like that we think are sacred or sacred sites that like Stonehenge yeah both. Okay. All the above. Yeah. Because like that, that same cliffside that Phoenix is talking about, for the last 18 years, we've gone out to that cliff head on New Year's Day or as close to New Year's Day as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, there's been a couple times it was flooded and we couldn't get out there. Right, yeah. right. But we've basically gone out there on New Year's Day and we do a New Year's ritual. We do the same ritual mm-hmm. every year. It's very, very simple. We'll talk about that another day. But, yeah. um, but it's on that same land. So not only yeah. did you have that experience on that particular piece of land, we've continued a tradition of going out there frequently. Oh, yeah. I've, I've done lots of ritual out there because... Because it's a sacred spot. We've had coven meetings out there. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Mm-hmm. Drumming in the dark. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah, that was a full moon as well, I think, wasn't it? I don't know. I know that the moon wasn't up when we were there because it was so dark. Yeah. yeah. But it might have just been because it was a, a daytime full yeah. moon. We did another remember. full moon ritual with some friends out at a beach in that same area. Um, funnily enough, a couple of us ended up getting naked and running up and down the beach at breakneck speed as well in the dark and the surf. Oh yeah, that was another ritual that I planned. Yeah, yeah, and that was a full moon ritual as well, wasn't it? I think so. That's yeah, that's when I was doing like full moon gatherings. Yeah, back when I had the capacity to plan gatherings, and you know we could gather. Yeah, well, you know there there's that. that. We Anywho. also we also did full moon gatherings at our house, didn't we? For a, a fair mm-hmm. amount of time, several, yeah. many of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So why? What is it about the full moon that makes us want to, you know, whip off our kits and howl at the moon and, and gather in some sacred place yeah, and I adore her, Queen of the Wise? But I don't know. I don't know. But, it, I mean, it is, it does feel magical and it, it does make the world brighter at night. It adds something ethereal and interesting. It is scientific fact that... Uh, accidents and hospitalizations and emergency room numbers go up on the night of a full moon. Like it, there's there's a lunacy, you know. That would That's be... where the word comes from, yes. right? Luna, see, yeah. madness of the moon. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there is something, it, it, it impacts us. And obviously it impacts us. And this is one of those things, like this is just a sciencey concept, but it's so duh for spiritually minded people you know, the only reason we have tides, the only reason the ocean moves is because of the moon and the relationship and the pull. Wait, there's not a great big turtle sitting out in the middle of the ocean no. flapping its No, but so, there, so if the moon has that much impact on the effing ocean, mm. it's ridiculous to think it doesn't have impact on our bodies. A, our bodies are made up mostly of water, but B, that's a lot of pressure and movement and energetic pulling and pushing that we are also being impacted by whether you live at the ocean or not the moon's not just impacting 
the water, it impacts the entire planet, right? So, yeah. so of course we're impacted by that energy. Yeah. I also think there's just something, uh, I don't know, encoded in human DNA. There is something subversive and wonderful and uh, just delicious about moon bathing. Right, like being out in the moon, soaking up that lovely moon energy, whatever you attribute to that, that to whether it's just the idea of being out late at night and it being bright, you right. know, if, if if it's nothing more than that, you know, obviously we can attribute all kinds of other magic to it, but it's just like I went out, my dog wanted to go out last two nights ago, we wanted to go out, you know, in the middle of the night for a pee or to chase a whatever was in the back garden, you know. So I let her out, and it was so bright out, it was like we'd left the lights on. Right. So I ended up standing outside for five minutes, again, with my kit off, stark naked, um, under the full moon in our back garden, and I realized, you know, this is a new house to us. Mm -hmm. And although we've done ritual, and we've done ritual outside, that was the first full moon that I remember. Like, we may have done something on the full moon beforehand mm -hmm. when we first moved in, but it wasn't because it was the full moon. Mm -hmm. It's because we had to do new house magic. But I was standing out there for like five minutes, and it was like 39 degrees. It was cold. It was, you know, and I was like, it was just wonderful to be out under the full moon. Yeah. It was really lovely. And there is, you know, all these ways of um because you said the word garden it triggered it in my head of but gardening and farming and um and connecting that into how you plant and when you um uh, reap is not the word that i want but you know when you plant certain things harvest that's what i wanted yeah. when you plant things when you harvest things and following that cycle of the moon is called bioluminescence Bi uh, no. no biodynamic biodynamic bioluminescence is like those the glowing things yeah yeah things yeah. yeah but so that there is something about that and not just on a like a farming sense of it but also if you ever have read a farmer's almanac it also talks about when is good times to plant and when is good times to wait and, you know, blah, mm. blah, blah. And those are often connected to moon cycles, mm. you know, so there is this very interesting. Yeah. And we don't think about it so much because, you know, most people we live in the, you know, the Gregorian calendar, you mm -hmm. know, January, 31 days, 30 days of this month and, you know, 28 of February and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, older cultures, I mean, still active today, mm -hmm. um, you know, count things from the full moon. Uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, Easter is not on the same day every year. You know, it's not on the 5th of April every mm -hmm. year. It moves. It can be as early as March and as late as the end of April, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because it's based on the lunar cycle, right. not not based on the, you know, a monthly yeah, cycle. Yeah, there's, and there's a movement in witchcraft and paganism, and it's been, it's been going on for a really long time. It's never really picked up steam, you know, to a larger extent. Uh, but there's this idea of living more by the moon calendar rather than what some refer to as the solar calendar. Uh, and that there is, you know, that this is like a matriarchal way of calendaring, a matriarchal way of tracking time. I don't know about all of that, but I think it's very interesting um, how that can change your perspective to live on a cyclic moon lunar cycle rather than this kind of forced yeah. cycle that doesn't necessarily match anything natural. I, you know, I'll, so we've we've played with that over the years, right? You know, yeah, it's kind of uh, for me, honestly, it's hard to yeah. to try to shift your awareness into a lunar 
calendar when everything, especially if you have any kind of mainstream relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, because no one else is doing that. Well, but this is the thing that I think is so fascinating about it. If we were like, just imagine for a moment, um, if you lived, you know, for two weeks of the month, roughly, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Very active, right? When the moon was waxing. So you did all of the... getting bigger. Yeah, getting bigger. Right. You did all of the active things. You were social and, and, you know, dynamic and planning and, you know, doing all the things. And then in the... And then for two weeks of the month, it was waning. So you slowly, Mm -hmm. you know, you slowed down. And then on the night of the new moon, you did nothing. Well, no, but if you think, just think about how the world will be different, right? It would be so impossible because now the way it works is it's like, oh, it's the 31st. It's the end of month. And a lot of people are, you know, buying or selling or trying to make quota or whatever it is, wrapping up reports that they do. And then on the first, it's like, well, back to zero again. Or right. on the, the another part of that is on the first is when people get their social aid money. Right. Or so, paychecks. Right. Or, so right. some people like, you know, in the business corporate world, you're back to zero. And in other places, that's where you actually have your cushion and you have, right. you know. You have two weeks to spend that money down. Yeah. yeah. But it, it wouldn't it be fascinating? Like just as a thought experiment, if for two weeks, you know, if, if it wasn't, you know, the first through the 31st, mm-hmm. but if it was the waning two weeks and the waxing well, two weeks. Well, I think people should journal and, or, you know, use their um, books of shadows or what have you to track things like that because I think people do that more than they realize, oh, yeah. especially because as a, a woman and with my menstrual cycle, which some of you know, I really love talking about my menstrual cycle. I'm not being sarcastic. I do really love to talk about it. She really does. Uh, But I notice there are times where I'm more productive. There are times where I'm less productive. There are times where I'm not going to do anything. And I have very painful periods. And so there's usually two to three days every month where I don't do much of anything because I don't feel physically well. And I you know, 20 years ago when I worked in the corporate world, I longed for an opportunity to not have to be in the bustle of the corporate world during those three days. And I could just sort of hibernate. And now I've crafted my life so that I can, I can't totally do that depending on the timing, but most of the time I can sort of cocoon myself away a little bit if I need to. And I think people do that more than they're conscious of. Yeah, I think, you know, the, um, I can't remember the word now. So I was watching some mainstream TV show and they uh, manstration that the men have this cycle of hormones. Oh God, I totally do. But I was like, it's already called menstruation. Really? We need to call it manstration now too. Like my <laughs> feminist rage started to boil within me, but it's true. It's not just uh, uterine carrying peoples, right? Who have these hormonal cycles. All people have hormonal cycles. They're just on different cycles you know they're not all based on a 28 day cycle and even uterine bleeding people don't have a 28 day cycle it's when i was younger i had like a 64 day cycle so i think it's worthwhile to pay attention to your personal cycles you'll gain a lot of information and then you can also plan your life a little bit better like maybe i won't start that big project because that's my low point maybe i'll wait two weeks or whatever you know It's valuable information. It really is. So full moon magic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Uh, Would you like to hear a uh, old saying slash piece of lore about the moon? Yeah. Of course you would. Some farmers still believe that crops sown near the full moon will be ready for harvest a month earlier than crops sown during the waning, no, the waxing moon. Well, that's stupid. (laughs) 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 That was a stupid saying slash piece of lore because it says, so, okay, just for for reference, I am reading Moon Magic by DJ Conway. Yes. Yes, the late DJ Conway, who, yes, I also know is a controversial character, but I love this book and there's lots of fun little things in it. But it says, sown near the full moon will be ready for harvest than crops sown during the waxing moon. Well, near the full moon could be the waxing moon. So that's just, Mm. it's, that's not written well. So rather than looking at some (laughs) crappy book from 1992. It's not a crappy book. Okay. So rude. From some other book yes. that has dubious lore in it. Yeah, I like um, dubious lore. Mm. What kind of magic do you often do in the full moon? Like typically, like in the witch world, you know, somebody says, oh, you should do that kind of magic on a full moon. What kind of well, magic I do you do? I think generally speaking, I'm going to go like moon instead of full moon. Mm. The waxing growing moon is when you do growing work. So abundance, bringing things in. Um, blessings, you know, things you want to grow. The full moon is the the culmination of that energy. So for me, I don't know that this is how I was taught, but the way I look at it is the full moon is sort of anyone's game. It's like a quartz crystal. You could use it for anything, right? It's it's extra universal energy to help with whatever working you're doing. Mm. And then the waning moon, when the moon is getting smaller, is for releasing things, sending things away, banishing things, um, breaking bad habits, ending bad relationships, um, you know, making changes, things like that. It's and kind then, of neat as a timing device, right? Like you yeah. can say, well, the moon will start waning on this day mm-hmm. and it will be done waning on this day. So I'm going to do this spell for that amount of time. And, yeah. and likewise with waxing, right? Yeah. I, I'll do I'll feed a thing for the next you know two weeks that's actually something that i've given my clients as homework many times especially when there's something going on that's big or they've been working on for a really long long time and aren't getting headway is i'll have them do a full lunar cycle worth of magic around it so you have to you know you start with the new moon setting your intention right new moons are good for um doing the work you don't want to be seen creating new intentions, starting fresh. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you set the intention and then as the, uh, or actually that's not true. I don't start it there, but the, the waning moon is for releasing the thing that's blocking you. And then the new moon is setting the new intention. And then the waxing moon is calling in the thing. And then the full moon is the culmination of that ritual. So it's, um, it is good to work with that flow. Because yeah. it's sort of like, you know, I'm a big fan of correspondences. The more things that you have the capacity to have in alignment with the spell that you're working, the smoother the road. It doesn't mean you have to have anything. It just makes it a little bit smoother. And the moon... And, and let's, be, let's be clear. Yeah. It's jolly good fun. Yeah. Like, correspondences love, are fun. They are. I mean, whether it really makes any difference or not, I, I tend to believe it does. But whether it does or not, yeah. just that it's like preparation, right? It's like gathering the ingredients for a recipe, mm-hmm. you know, so you get the, 
the green fabric and you get mint and you get... You create a sigil. Right, create yeah. a sigil. Uh, you carve something into a green candle or whatever it is that you're doing. But you get all of those green things. Right. You know, if, you, if, it's, if you're doing green for money, you know, you carve the shape of a dollar sign or a pound sign or whatever currency is wherever you are, right? Yeah. You do all that. And it's fun. Like for me, it's the preparation of it. I think a lot of it has to do, for me anyway, with it's becoming aligned with that magic or that magical intention or that spell work that I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's the idea that um, uh, I'm gathering all these bits and pieces that will help. Right. Whether they actually do or not, it's kind of immaterial because by the time I've gathered all the things and started the spell, let's be clear, the spell's already done. Well, and this is a thing that's not exactly a conversation about moon magic, but that is one of the... Um, hot button topics that's come up on the witchy social media lately is about the word intention and that there's this whole camp of of magical practitioners who say well it's just about your intention it doesn't matter all the other things and there's this other camp of magical practitioners who were like no it does matter the other things if it was just about intention then why would you do anything why would you do a spell why would you take the steps you could just have that intention yeah i tend to agree with that because you know i intend to have a million dollars but if i don't ever do anything to create the circumstances that would make that happen intention is bollocks well then that's the same you know you can do a spell to get a million dollars but then if you decide to sit on the couch and just watch tv all day you're probably not going to have a million dollars just show up at the front door delivered by Amazon. Right. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's very, very, very unlikely. unlikely. Right. Yeah. So and you have to take, you know, use the correspondences to get everything into alignment, do the spell work, and then take real world action. Yeah. yeah bing, yeah. bing, bing. Anyway. Bing. Moons. But, but moons. You know, you can do moons. all of that. Moons. Nice moons. <laughs> uh, you can do all of that, gather all those ingredients herbs spices flowers oils ointments cards crystals whatever it is that you use gathering all of that and beginning a ritual on the new moon or mm-hmm. the full moon or whatever it might be depending on the magic yeah it's really, it's fun isn't it well yeah getting i mean getting your hands dirty playing with the things having it be um crafty yeah. right the putting the craft in witchcraft it it appeals to our younger selves it appeals to our fetch to that to that animal body part of ourselves and that helps the energy we want to manifest manifest more quickly right there's this whole Jungian spiritual concept that we have these triple souls i'm not going to go into all of it but the talking self is is our ego it's the part that that's the voice in your head that you hear it's it's you Oops, sorry. I'm talking with my hands. <laughs> That's what I do. The talking self is always looking out for us and trying to protect us. The problem is it's t- kind of too good at it. It's and, very pragmatic. And it's learned some tough lessons and it still at, at, uh, reacts based on old lessons. And the only way that you're going to get any spiritual shit done is to bypass your talking self. And to do that, you have to let your child self, that fetch, that that little part of you connect with your god self your subconscious your uh uh, what is the other word i wanted to use i don't know subconscious so if you can distract your talking self and have that child self come out it's a lot easier to manifest and access your god power energy and that's where play comes in yes and that's why dancing under a full moon and howling at the moon yeah i mean it's just fun it's ridiculous it's primal it's magic it's potent but it's also very few people are like, well, today I'll be under the full moon. Oh, jolly good. There it is. There's a full moon. Great. Now, let me well, talk about it. it's funny that the- you say that because I think about like 
Gerald Gardner and Dion Fortune and some of these old school mm-hmm. witchcraft practitioners from like the 30s to the 50s. Mm-hmm. Were they being weird and silly and irreverent or yeah. were they just very serious with their ceremonial swords and their lighting of the candles and their calling of the guardians of the watchtowers of the West? And, well, you know, like, because yeah. like Freemasons seem very serious. Well, you know why, though? I, this is my thought. Because I, I, I'm not a Freemason, so I don't actually okay. know what happens you're a, in there. You're a four Mason. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, uh, I'm a five Mason. A uh, five Mason. <laughs> um, so... Here's the here's what I think. Yeah. So, boy, we're going really off in odd directions tonight, which I love. Um, I think Freemasons have all of the ceremonial claptrap. Right. You know, they have the swords and the minks and the chairs and the yeah. you know all the things. But they, um, it's like, have you ever been to a rich witchcraft ritual in maybe a tradition that isn't your tradition? And they spend 45 minutes of the hour-long ritual setting everything up. That is most right. rituals that I've attended. Then they do like five minutes of ritual and then they break say everything down and say goodbye. Every, yeah, right. I hate that. I think a lot of Freemasonry is a lot of that. Like it's all of the pomp and the circumstance and the setup, but they forgot the magic bit. Right. The, right. the meat and, or tofu of the ritual. The reason you're having a ritual right. is not to just set everything up and then say goodbye to everything. Right. But to go back to your Blech. point. No, I do think because while I cannot confirm or deny any of the particulars of a Gardnerian ritual, sure. uh, I can say that there is a great deal of frivolity. There is a great deal of silliness. Uh, Gerald Gardner famously said that, you know, one of a witch's greatest skills is uh, is leg pulling, right? You mm. know, is is being cheeky, right? Mm. And um, Cheeky. Yeah, I know you love that word. That's why I said it. I just wrote a whole section in my book about being cheeky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with moons. But I'm bum bum. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> but no, so I do think that some of the... the um, founders of of a variety of traditions but yeah look let's be serious i know some people i'm thinking of one person in particular but there i know some people that right before a ritual they put on their priestess face and they get super serious and they walk around like they got the weight of the fucking world on their shoulders wear their special clothes wear their special clothes and put on their special makeup all of which is great yeah because that also helps to get you into the right energy space and and sometimes it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, just whip off your clothes and dance under the moon. Right. Or whatever it is that you want to do. Like, I'm a big fan of the revel mm-hmm. rather than the solemnity. Yeah. You know, I love ritual. I love um, deep, profound, um, clever, erudite rituals. And I also love, let's slap paint on each other under a full moon and mm-hmm. bark at the moon. Like, I love that too. Well, be- and I think there's reason for both and there's yeah. power in both and there, you know. But where I was going with that is that it's the, one of the advantages of play, one of the advantages of being silly. Oh, right, what, back to that. Right, is <laughs> that you do bypass that thinking stuff. Yeah. Instead of saying, um, this ritual is because you just run around in the field or you know whatever it is well it also helps to take some of your barriers down because you know i in my younger days i was very worried about doing things wrong and i hear that a lot from new seekers because of of teaching and being in the shop and all that 
people are very afraid to do things wrong and we're you're gonna do things wrong you you have to try and what's wrong for your way of working might actually really work for me so you kind of have to test yeah. things out um but I if, actually just to be uh, a bit contrarian mm -hmm. i actually reject the the logic that you can't do it wrong because that presumes there is a wrong and a right way. And one of the things That's I've what I'm saying, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. But one of the things that I find so potent about magic is yes, within particular traditions, there are guidelines yes. or rules or tenets that you should or must follow yes. if you want to be part of that tradition. And I also think it is imperative that you question why do we do these things. And I also love the idea um, that while in formal ritual, mm -hmm. if you will, you follow those guidelines of that particular tradition because it has value for you and you have a healthy dose of, fuck me, I'm just going to do this ritual, right? And just yeah. thoroughly enjoy it. And again, this but goes But that's back... you as an individual practitioner, not you as a member of a specific tradition, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. at one point I was involved with a tradition and I pushed back on a lot of things and one of the elders kept saying, well, maybe this isn't the place for you. And it was crushing for me in my seeking and wanting to be in alignment with that tradition and quote unquote, do things right, that I, that I was just brushed off by maybe this isn't the place for you. And now many years later, I get it. It actually wasn't the place for me. Yeah. It wasn't my tribe. It wasn't my tradition. It wasn't the right uh, path for me to be following. Yeah. And uh, again, just to bring this back to what we started talking about, yeah, the moon. Um, again, I, you know, the word should or should not, I um, uh, struggle with within mm -hmm. witchcraft. I mean, there are things that should happen. Consent should mm -hmm. always happen. Yeah. Boundaries should nearly always happen. Um, but I think outside of, you know, that and maybe a couple of other things, there aren't a whole lot of shoulds, right? Yeah. Confidentiality is a thing that I think should happen if yeah. you're in a, a group that's doing magic. But generally speaking, when it comes to ritual, and again, unless you're performing a specific ritual from a specific tradition for a specific purpose, mm -hmm. ritual is about mirth and reverence it's about having fun it's about connecting to the the gods the magic the flow the energy whatever you want to call it and one of the best ways to do that i find is to work with the moon because it's there it's big it's bright it's magical you know it's mind-blowing to think like i love looking at the moon mm -hmm. okay so guilty pleasure uh and anyone that's listening to this that downloads it i'll deny this down Except the road there'll be recorded evidence but okay no, go no, on no recorded evidence go on we're not go really on. recording this, right, right no mm -mm. um uh, <laughs> there's a really crappy reality tv show called love island yes i've watched it i know you got me <laughs> hooked on this bloody show but at the beginning of every episode they show this amazing shot <laughs> of, of the, the moon. moon and make comments about Tonight. it Tonight. But I love that shot. And often when you watch uh, sports events on television, if they're happening at night, they'll show a big picture of, of the moon, mm -hmm. right? They'll do a close-up of the moon. And it's fascinating. And frequently I say, I'd really like to go there. <laughs> like literally, if they came to me tomorrow and said, would you go up in a rocket and jump around on the moon? I'd be like, fuck Yes, there would nothing would stop me. I'm so not interested. God, but wouldn't it be brilliant? Because then when I came back here, 
every night when I looked up at that moon, I'd be like, I've been there. Like yeah, that would be brilliant. I don't, I don't have that longing. I'm fine with earth. There's plenty here to explore. Oh. I just feel like I can already be like, yeah, that would, I would get sick going there. I would be miserable. I would be so homesick. I would moon? all, yeah. All I would be thinking about is when do I get to go home? Oh my God. I it... get homesick when I just go to witch camp and I love witch camp, but uh, during witch camp every night, I'm like, okay, I have, I look forward to witch camp for a whole year. And then the, there's seven nights that I'm away. And the first night I'm like, okay, I have six more nights to go. And I count down to when I get to come back home because I get so homesick. I'm such a homebody. You're a weirdo. I am I... not. You're the weirdo, you Sagittarian <laughs> freak. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to be on the moon, like to go in those craters and to, nah. you know, there are mountains. Get eaten by some random moon bug. Oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly. It. And then I, of course, I get stuck in all the cheese that's up there. Right, as well, exactly. So. That might but, be worth it. Just, crackers. Let's not talk about your homesickness. Um, but why? Because it's silly and ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the notion that for hundreds of thousands of years humankind yes have looked up right at that glowing orb in the sky and pondered what it was and over the last several hundred years when we've had a better understanding of what the moon is and then over the last what 60 years or so when people have actually been able to to walk on the moon mm-hmm. and to see the earth from that perspective like an, another connection. Like when I look at the moon some nights, I think people have been there, which is why I want to go there. Mm. Like it would be phenomenal. And it also helps me in my magic. Like the moon isn't that far away. It is, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, pretty far. It's a long way away. Yeah. Um, but it's not. In the scheme of the universe, it's a millimeter away from us. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I do that same sort of concept of how small humans are. Yeah. But I do that like looking at the earth, you know, like thinking how massive this planet is and how yeah. me in this tiny little house in the grand scheme of the earth. And then if you take that to look at our solar system and to look at the, the galaxy, galaxy and yeah. it's just so we're so insignificant. We, oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. And... Uh, so this is why I love moon magic. This this is the thing that charges me up, funnily enough, about moon magic, mm. is it reminds me when I'm out under that, you know, inky black night with those little pinpoints of light, which are millions and billions of miles away. And there is this beautiful orb in the sky. It connects me to the vastness of the universe which you know can be enlivening and crushing all at the Mm -hmm. same time and it's like wow i get to be alive in this moment and see that moon Mm -hmm. and you know whip me willy about in the middle of the night yeah that's what i do that's not really it but you know like that's beauty pinnacle stuff right there yeah yeah. but isn't it it's just Fabulous. And that's what I love about moon magic. Okay, so I want to change the subject now. Let's talk about (laughs) moon water. Enough about your willy. Let's talk talk about one of the things that is very popular on social media and the the hashtag witchcraft social media that I sometimes have attitude about is moon water. 
What are your thoughts about moon water? Um, so here's the thing. I've collected water Mm -hmm. under an eclipse or from a sacred place, you know, a stream or a river or a lake or whatever at a full moon. You want me to give you the lowdown on moon water? No, like I, what the modern? Yeah, I do know what it is, but no, uh, I know you know what it is. I'm just saying for for everyone listening, yeah, for our millions of witchcraft listeners, I would just challenge you though that while this is particularly um, apropos to social media today, yeah, it's not really a new phenomenon. No, it's not, but it's yeah. very trendy and popular right now. Okay. So there's all of these little memes and posts and things about moon water, and you know, you basically. Put water in a jar and you put it in the window. The ultimate witchcraft tool, by the way. A jar. Yeah. And you put it outside or in your window or whatever so it it gets hit with moonlight. And that's it. That's moon water. And then people use that to wash their faces or they add it to their food or they use it in spell working. So why are you saying that so dismissively? How is that I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm definitely being a little snarky about it. Um, I'm into moon water. I like moon water, but I, I'm my curiosity about it is why are we adding that to our food? Why are we adding that to our beverages? What is that actually doing? It does nothing or it does everything, right? That's the thing about magic. Why do you add... Um... Why do you stir in love when you're making chicken soup? How do you stir in love? Yeah, absolutely. And yet you do, and it changes it somehow. But I think the interesting question is, are you paying attention to what the energy of that specific moon is supposed to be? Ah. Right? Or are you just collecting random moon magic? Well, it, it does it matter? Does it? Is it? Is it just a full moon is a full moon, and it doesn't matter that it's the full moon in sagittarius or it's the full moon in taurus or it's the full moon in whatever does it matter that certain groups call it the beaver moon or the frosty moon or the whatever moon does that matter is that energy impacting the water is your belief that that energy is impacting the water impact of the water yes and then are you eating beaver water all month like i'm it's just it's not, It's uh, and I'm totally being cheeky about this. I'm not trying to be like a, a total asshole because I love the idea of it. I just, it's not my practice. I don't, I collect, uh, I don't collect water. I charge, right. I've, yes, I've collected water from sacred sites, but I only charge water on um, intense moments. I don't go out every month and charge water. Yeah, but let me ask you a question. But I don't ever like eat that water or well, drink that water. But let me ask you a question. One. Yeah. So as a food witch, Yeah, there you go. Okay. If I have collected moon water when the moon is in Sagittarius and I ascribe to that moon um, the fire of Sagittarius or the frivolity or the spontaneity that comes with being a Sagittarian, right? Yeah. And I say, right, this moon water is full of um, that energy, the the fiery, impromptu, just, you know, fuck it all and have fun energy of being a Sagittarius, or as I like to call it, because I am one, Zagger awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I mix that into my tea or, you know, sprinkle it on my Cheerios or whatever that's being yeah. done with it. Then yes, it absolutely, totally, without a doubt, impacts that meal. Why? Because I said it does. Absolutely. Right? Now, 
Is that any different than going to a sacred well and running your amulet or your favorite necklace or your athame under that sacred water? No, here's what it does. When you put your sacred item into that sacred well, what you're doing is saying, I'm taking some of this energy or I'm connecting with this energy or I'm exchanging something with this sacred spring and I'm carrying that moment back with me. So whenever I use this knife going forward or wear this amulet, I'm connecting back to that place or that moment. That's the same thing with collecting moon water. Um, I'm collecting this moon water because it was the height of summer and I was outside with all of my cool witch friends and we were having a blast and now I've collected this moon water and every time I drink this moon water, it's going to remind me of those crazy summer nights. Fucking A, brilliant, well done, go you. There's a local astrologer, I'm going to try real hard to remember her name, but she also makes uh, elixirs, Mm. right? So an elixir is like one of the simplest things to do. You just put the essence of something into water. So she started collecting elixirs of moments. Mm -hmm. So she had a a hilarious moment in her office and she collected that moment in a jar of water and now has this like joy or hilarity or whatever elixir that she sells to other people. So now that's where I draw the line. Mm, Okay. Now why? Well, here you go. That moment of joy when she heard her grandchild laugh for the first time or you know whatever that moment was that was joyous yeah and she collected it she harvested that moment put it into a jar like a little memory bank that moment is precious to her or to any of the people that were there perhaps at the time when it happened to monetize that and say here here's a jar of joy essence bollocks bollocks Bollocks. Why? Why can't you collect the energy of a moment? Because it's only share it. because it was precious to you. Yeah, but holy oil is holy because a priest says it's holy. Yeah. What's the difference? I can make holy oil. In fact, there are four recipes in my upcoming book for holy oil. Yes, but what's the key? You're not saying, here's a recipe for holy oil and buy it from me. Right. You're saying, here's a recipe for holy oil. And if you find this thing holy too, or I bet your your book says, try these alternate versions or whatever. Stargazer Lee. Yeah. That's her name. It's a way. Of, sorry, Stargazer Lee. No, I just want to give a shout out to the yeah. person who came up with this concept. Yeah, yeah. There's another person that you knew that, you know, says when a bird flies through their back garden, they collect the energy of that bird. Yeah. And then they sell you, you know, a a jar full of bird essence. Fuck off. (laughs) Fuck the fuck off. Wow. No, really. It's like, there's there's a point, right? Again, if you were part of that moment, if it's sacred to you, if I could go back and bottle that full moon where I danced in September with an amazing bunch of people and had my moment of crisis and fear, if I could bottle that moment, um, what am I really bottling? Am I bottling the energy or am I bottling the memory of it? So yeah, every time I looked at it- Couldn't it be both? Yeah, could. That's exactly it, right? If I looked back at that full moon jar and, 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 you know, I wrote something on it or collected something else in it, I'm like, oh, this connects me to that moment. This connects me in space and time to an event that I shared with these people. That's what's magic about it, is that this, 
you know, mason jar full of fuck all can actually transport me in time. Uh, so I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate because I don't actually know how I feel about it since I've never actually done any of this myself um, or collected moon water for the purpose of just daily use. I've only collected waters for specific, specific, specific <laughs> oh, spiritual purposes. So I don't have like a, a, a dog in the fight. I don't actually mm-hmm. care, you know, one way or the other. Um well, now, crap, I forgot what my point was. Oh. Moon water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. It's gone. Poof. Bye-bye. Something Shit. about you not having a dog in the fight. No, you, it was something about moon water you don't collect and collecting essences and um, no, how cool. it's kind of no different between collecting an essence and collecting moon water. Again, it's... This goes back to that intention thing, right? Again, if I'm collecting a moment that's important to me and putting it in my memory bank, and if by using that jar or that bottle of water or that essence, whatever it is, if that reminds me of a moment, it's like when you collect a feather. You know, you're out walking about, you have this mystical moment where a hawk flies by and a tail feather falls out, and you're like, oh, well, that's an omen, and you take the feather. The feather is just a reminder of that moment, right? It connects you to that amazing moment that you had. And I think that's the same thing with moon water. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I have zero cares that that's bad magic, new magic, newbie magic, weird TikTok magic. I could give three fucks and no fucks. Tonight's a very yeah. You gotta night. watch for the f bombs there, buddy. Yeah, okay. But what's the difference between? creating moon water or creating some other sort of essence because it's just really it's moon essence water yeah or it's joy essence or bird essence or whatever essence it's just it's the same thing with flower essences it's all the same thing you're just giving the water the energetic stamp of that thing yeah it's all the same that's exactly it that's the entire point but the the question is not does it or does it not have any measurable impact on the water or whatever you're, you're, you know, does the moon have any measurable impact on the water in that jar that you collected? It could be. That's, you know, that's for your own spiritual practice to determine. Right. But as a mnemonic device, as a way to remember a moment, it's 100% potent and effective. Until you forget why you collected that jar, which is why every few years you go through some of your magical boxes and you go, what the fuck was this? Why am I holding on to this piece of blue fabric that has a rune on it? No idea. Right. I've forgotten that magic. Well, then it's time to get rid of it. Right. But that, I, I have no um, compunction in 100% supporting people collecting memories, connecting to a place, connecting to a moment, as long as they're not stealing something like, don't, you know, chip a piece of Stonehenge to have the essence of Stonehenge. Take a picture and then, you know, have that memory. Mm-hmm. Buy a trinket in the shop and support the National um, you know, Trust Foundation or what have you, but uh, or, or World Heritage Sites. But um, that's what we do. We collect moments. We collect experiences. If that's done by a jar of moon water, brilliant. I've, but, again, where I draw the line is, I hiked to the top of this mountain, did ritual, collected moon magic, and uh, here's an empty jar full of nothing. That'll be seventeen ninety five, please. <laughs> that's where I really draw the line. 
for me. Right. I don't think you can sell an essence. I, I mean, if it's, you know, a liquid essence, you've collected something out of a flower, that's fine. Well, but a you, flower essence is literally you put the flower in water yeah. and now that water contains the essence of that flower. It's not an essential oil. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Flower oils, essences right. are just... Fuck all. Like the flower was brushed past the water and now the water contains the essence yeah, of yeah. that flower. Yeah. Bollocks. Well... I'm just a saying, lot of people are into it. I get it, and I if believe you're in it. if you're one of those people, excellent for you. Yeah. Like if, again, because okay, so here's the bit where I like will... for example, I have a flower. Uh, well, I don't. It's not a flower essence. I have an essence that is from the chalice well. It's a product that a company sells, and probably what they're doing is filling little jars with alcohol and then putting a drop of chalice well water in it. But I've used that. Many, many times. Yeah, but is it important that it's got chalice well on in it? It could have tap water in it, but what it does is it connects you to one of the most sacred places in your uh, belief system. Right, same with flower essences, as it connects you to the essence of that flower that you believe holds this energy that's going to help you or align you or heal you or blah. Right, but it, it has... Again, nothing to do with what's in the bottle mm-hmm. or the jar or the powder and everything to do with how you then relate to that thing. Mm-hmm. Holding that jar of mostly alcohol and one drop of pond water from the chalice <laughs> well um, connects you to a place and a time and experiences. Think of all the experiences that you've had at the chalice well in your lifetime. You know, they've been wonderful and profound it's and magical. Two, two experiences. But you had more than two experiences. You visited it twice. Yes. You've had many experiences when you've gone there. Mm-hmm. That's what you're connecting to. Right. You know, I could give you an empty jar with a label that said Chalice Well on it and a picture of the Viscapescus. That would be meaningful to you. Well, I have sacred water that someone brought me from Ireland from Bridget's Well. I you only use it for ritual purposes and you know I'm with my work on Bridget but I didn't go there someone graciously gave it to me but I don't have a memory of that place and yet it's still sacred <laughs> to you because they thought of you so what you're connecting to is somebody you know went to Ireland and collected water that they then gave to you because they knew it would cr- connect you to a deity Bridget that you work with closely. For all you know, they could have filled right. that up in a bathroom in Heathrow Airport. Right. <laughs> and it would make no difference to yeah. the sacredness of it. Right. I believe. Mm. So there. Probably just disenfranchise myself from a billion witches that will listen to this show, but mm. I don't care. That's fine. I just noticed that we're talking about the moon, sort of, mm. and we are we both have a cup of tea, and both of our teacups are the Llewellyn publisher teacup that we were given With for having symbol. our book yeah and it has a moon symbol on it yeah thanks Llewellyn how cute is that I know it does anyway yeah so moon magic moon magic <laughs> now that we've waxing moons waiting moons the only thing I would add that I think is important to name during a conversation about moon magic is the VOC the VOC yes so astrologically speaking everything has a VOC it's the void of course void of course but there is a moment in any planet or heavenly bodies movements where they're not moving there's a pause Hmm. and with the moon that can be anywhere from a minute to a 
couple of hours, depending on what's going on. Do you mean it actually stops rotating? I don't honestly know the it just, science. It, it looks like it stops. And is it I don't really know. not moving or does it just appear to not move? I, I don't know the science. I would assume it appears to not move because it can't stop moving, right? right? It's like a retrograde. It's not actually moving backwards. It's just appearing to not be moving back right, or right. to be moving backwards. So I don't, I don't know the science because I don't care. Or and I've, I've never looked it up, but every planet ev- and the moon have VOCs and it is uh, suggested to not do any magic during a VOC of the moon. So that if you're going to, if you're not going to worry about full moons or new moons or waxing or wanings or whatever to do your spell work, at least check to see if it's VOC. Because in my experience, and you know. I'm knocking on 30 years of experience just to, you know, toot my horn for a minute. I've been yeah. doing this for a minute. But I have noticed that attempting to do spell work during that time, it never works. Yeah. It's like, wah, wah. Which you know because you've chronicled it. Right. Right. Which is, you know, one of the important things. Yeah. It's like forgetting to put baking soda into a cake or something. It just kind of falls flat. Mm. So it's that's the one thing I would say is important as a takeaway is to check the void of course what if you were doing magic where you wanted something to fall flat and and fizzle out or or become frozen or static wouldn't that be the perfect time to do it no because then the spell would fall flat the action the thing Uh, the goal wouldn't fall flat oh okay i see yeah i I can buy that Mm. Mm mm-hmm I have no idea where we are with our timing. I just wanted to... I don't care. We're just going to keep chatting. Because we have a... You know, I'm thinking we're close. Yeah, we're good. We're okay. going to keep chatting. Okay. So moon magic. Moon magic. So let's let's recap. Moon. Moon. Do you know how to spell moon? M-O-O-N spells moon. M-O-O-N. That spells moon. You were close. You were I know. Close. Stephen King reference, folks. Yeah, from The Stand. Yeah. Which is going to be having a TV miniseries this month <gasps> it's this month i better go check to see i gotta set it up to record <laughs> it'll start on the full moon no um so moon magic <laughs> so excited let's recap and we'll, we'll win stop yeah stephen king madness <laughs> oh you brought maybe. it up now i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> so um waxing uh moons mm-hmm. are good to do magic where you want to grow something Uh, Bring something to fruition, bring something to abundance, yeah? Call something in. Right. Mm -hmm. Waning magic, great to do banishing, releasing, letting go of, minimizing Mm -hmm. things, right? Because the moon is shrinking. That's the idea of it. New moon magic is great for uh, starting a project. Yeah, setting intentions or or magic you want to be hidden. Right. And just for fun, the new moon, when it's a little tiny sliver is referred to as Diana's bow. Oh, I know. I love that. And the other side, when it's waning and it's just the little tiny crescent, is called Hecate's sickle. Oh, that's kind of neat to know. Mm-hmm. Hey, so there was something that you brought up very briefly and I brought up at the beginning of the show before we started to dis flower essences. Yeah. We, I uh, mean, that was you. Let's yeah. be real. Right, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, where you mentioned uh, the beaver moon or the harvest moon. And um, this is an interesting thing, right? Um, So without going too far down the road of cultural appropriation, because you'll get on a soapbox and I have to knock you off. I like soapboxes. Okay, so here's the deal. But hold on, let me finish my thought. So 
you had this brilliant idea yes. to um, make up names for moons that yes. meant something to you or to the people that you were talking about. And that's the bit I really want you to focus on. So spend a minute talking about <laughs> Do you see how he's giving me very specific, yeah. restrictive yeah. If, like, guidelines <laughs> here? Okay, let me just start. All right. So if you Google name of the moons, you'll get a list of all of these folk names for the full moons that happen every year. The problem is they're not really helpful. Some of them are old European, and I'm using European very generically, and some of them are, are different native tribes' names for the the full moon cycles. Native tribes of Turtle of, of Yeah, North of North America. So, you know, if... If a try like for example for the beaver moon the be apparently beavers start like winterizing at this time of the year right around this full moon and so it's called the beaver moon but where is is that applicable to all of us no it's not applicable to me where I live there's no beavers the, here the First Nations people of Oklahoma right would not have beavers right so I think what is now Oklahoma what the cultural appropriation piece of it is. Some of these are very specifically native, indigenous, and I don't even know which tribes they originate from. It just, it doesn't make sense to piecemeal all of these different cultural things together. So what I think, and the like homework I've given to my witch classes, something that I've been working on for decades and still don't have finalized, is my own names or your own names or anyone's own names for the full moons. So it's a way of connecting to the land and where you live. What is happening where you are right now during this full moon? What would you call the full moon? For example, in the class I taught last night, one of my students said, I would call this full moon the falling leaves moon because that's what's happening at my house. All the leaves are falling off the tree. So every late November or early right. December. The November full moon, air would quotes. The, would be the falling leaf moon right. for their right. practice. So the full moon in April would be phoenix's birthday moon right because that's what's happening in the entire month of uh, april <laughs> in february we could call it the daffodil moon right because daffodils always come right. up in august february. could be the naked ladies moon because that's when my favorite flower the, the belladonna lily pops up in the area where we live but right. it's it's a way so it's twofold it's a way of you personalizing a relationship with the moon cycle but it's also taking that moon cycle that full moon energy and reconnecting to the land which according to me is the most important thing we should be doing as witches i agree so that is that good enough did i yeah. not did i get too soapboxy <laughs> no blah 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 because <laughs> no, i love that you actually focused on the thing you were talking yeah. about not going no, the wrong no, way for i don't ham i don't want to talk about cultural appropriation it's ir annoying and irritating but I do highly encourage Just to clarify, people. Cultural appropriation is highly irritating and annoying for the people being culturally appropriated yes. too. Yes, it's an infuriating wanna, conversation. Yes. You're not saying you you are infuriated with By cultural people. appropriation. No, I right. no no. I just I don't, I don't want to get sassy. So <laughs> I highly encourage mag magical practitioners of any variety to have solid land based practices with where they live. So much of modern Wicca which has greatly influenced witchcraft and paganism, is European-based. Some of it's Irish, some of it's Scottish, some of it's English, some of it's French, some of it's Norse, some of it's Germanic, but and a little bit Italian but or Greek. But most of it's right in that section of, of Europe. That doesn't apply to other places in the world. 
It, it doesn't. What happens in Scotland doesn't apply to freaking Italy either, right? right? I, I was thinking about that. Like um, some of the people um, that I'm friends with or work colleagues with are in Michigan, right? And it's Sno- freezing it's snowing. and snowing. Yeah, and and they give me guff about, oh, you're probably sipping wine in the vineyards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am. As a yeah, matter of fact, it was uh, 50 today and we turned the heater on because I'm freezing. Right. The point being is yeah. that the magic that you would do in Michigan in it December apply would be very different yes. from the magic you would do in California. That's what I'm saying. Right. So how does that play into the full moon energy? Right. Does it? How does it? Why would you call it the beaver moon? Because honestly, I've never ever, you know, I have all these books about magic and moons mm. and things like that. And I've seen all the folklore names for the different moons. And like I said, some of them are European. Some of them are from different folk traditions. Um, and there, some of them are pretty and poetic and some of them don't make any bloody sense. Like, and I never until yesterday and this past weekend, I'd never pe- has seen so many people talk about the beaver freaking moon. Why all of a sudden is that a thing? I don't know, but I don't like it. I don't like it. So anything I can do to encourage people to not use those terms, to find their own effective terms, it's a great coven project. It's a great coven project to work through the cycle of the moons, do magic on that full moon, pay attention to the land and then the next moon gathering name the previous moon you know like it's so it's such a fun project yeah. everyone should do it now you have homework listeners there you sorry go. that's what happens when you meet with me you get homework <laughs> <laughs> uh i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation well that's good mostly because i got to say fuck about a thousand times yeah thousand and one now fuck uh and um i love because we fact- actually had a show well, yeah, because I wasn't saying fuck because I was the only one here and, <laughs> and <I'd, laughs> trying to tap dance. Yeah. No, but I really love this conversation because I, I, I appreciate the way that you frequently bring things back to um, an individual's practice yeah. rather than ascribing or, or um, uh, you know, being bound by a particular uh, guideline or rule. Yeah. Um, to I mean, if at, you like the guideline or rule, great. Right, but to be able to personalize magic is what I think makes it um, powerful. And, you know, the moon is something universal, literally, but it's something, you know, that we all can see, we can all um, look at. And uh, I think many witches of different stripes have some affinity for the moon. Not Mm -hmm. everyone does, but many people have an affinity for the moon. So being able to connect to it in a way that's meaningful... Um, and connecting the moon's energy, whatever you think that is, to your own personal magic, mm-hmm. I think is fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I love that. For me, that's really the key, right? Is finding the magic that works for you. Yeah. And then um, exploring that. Yeah. Uh, and Absolutely. That, that's what I think the best thing about magic is. Well, there you go. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that was a good one. Peace out. Peace out. We'll probably talk about winter solstice next time. Or Yule. Or Christmas. Christmas Hansa Quantica. Yeah. Or Sandy Claus. Festivus. Yeah. All of those brilliant um Winter holidays. Winter holidays. Yeah. Why why are you against Christmas? <laughs> well, well you'll have to listen next time to well, find out. We'll have to listen it next time. All right, everybody. <laughs> have a brilliant time and um Be witchy. Go in, do witchy things. Under the moon. Bye. Bye.